0: Hello and welcome to South Asia Chat, a podcast series brought to you by the Institute of South Asian Studies at the National University of Singapore. The Indian government announced a large disinvestment strategy in its budget for 2021-22 in order to revive the economy. It has proposed exiting from most sectors except for areas which are of strategic interest. This is expected to be a challenging task going forward. To tell us more, we have with us Dr. V. Anand Nageshwaran. He is a non-resident senior fellow at ISAS and has a wealth of experience having worked both in the corporate sector and the academic world. In October 2019, Dr. Nageshwaran was appointed as a part-time member to the Economic Advisory Council of the Prime Minister of India for a tenure of two years. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Nageshwaran. You're welcome. Uh, The disinvestment strategy that was announced by the government was the focal point of this budget and the target has been fixed at a whopping rupees 1.75 trillion or 32 billion SING dollars. The government is also looking to privatize uh, PSU sectors, changing their ownership rather than offloading small amounts of government equity for mobilizing receipts. What has led to this radical change in strategy?
1: Uh, thank you, Nitya, for the introduction. Also, I would like to clarify that uh, even though I'm a member of the Prime Minister's Economic Advisory Council to the Government of India, I'm speaking in my personal capacity and as a non-resident senior fellow of the Institute of South Asian Studies. Um, so we need to separate the two. The disinvestment receipts target for 2021-2022 and the strategic privatization uh, ambition. Now, the first one, uh, disinvestment, is an ongoing exercise. Yes, in some years the government has been able to meet its disinvestment target, although sometimes the sale has happened within the public sector uh, family, so to speak. Uh, In some other years, the targets have not been met. But this year, I mean, rather for 21-22, the target of 1.75 trillion rupees uh, is not unrealistic. It's a realistic target. A uh, Couple of uh, privatizations, big ticket, a uh, couple of disinvestments rather, uh, whether it is BPCL or uh, LIC, will automatically help the government meet the target. So that is the first part of the question why is there a change of heart with respect to strategic sale of public sector undertakings? I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a, a change of heart or a shift in strategy. It is a logical culmination of the process that had been set in motion almost 20 years ago by the first NDA government which is when we had a strategic sale or privatization. But subsequently, I think uh, the next government that followed and lasted for 10 years had a different mindset with respect to the public sector undertakings. And then in 2014, um, uh, Mr. Modi did begin uh, by saying that the government had no business to be in business. Uh, But then uh, because some political capital was spent in uh, amending the Land Acquisition Act, and they couldn't uh, do so because of the lack of sufficient numbers in the upper house of the parliament. The government shelved that idea uh, and also focused on other structural reforms like the goods and services tax, the demonetization exercise, the Real, Real Estate Regulation Act, the insolvency and bankruptcy code, etc. So now with the also the political uh, numbers being there for the government, uh, they feel more confident, and also usually in any country, not just in India, a crisis provides a very good opportunity to push through difficult reforms. And to that extent, therefore, the government is trying to take advantage of the uh, COVID crisis as an opportunity to undertake structural reform. So this is how I would uh, present the current decision uh, of strategic sale of government stake Uh, in in the light of what has happened over the last 20 years, using the crisis as a specific trigger to move forward.
0: Um, It's a very interesting point uh, you've made, uh, Dr. Nageshwaran. Uh, But what I think sets it apart this time is the government's big number that it has doled out. It is not that this is not the first time that it has revealed such a number. Last year's target was equally high, but due to covid it couldn't meet its target and we did hear the minister of state for finance mr anurag thakur saying that it's only three times since 2014-15 that the government has missed those targets uh, so what what do you think would be the government's approach this time and to ensure that the numbers are met and that they are serious about this this sure. investment
1: no i think the uh, as you correctly mentioned for the year 2021 the target was 2 uh, trillion rupees yes. and of course because of COVID and notwithstanding the fact that the stock market has been quite violent, yes. uh the government has not been able to uh conclude uh some of the transactions it had in mind that would have helped the government meet the disinvestment target so my uh relative optimism for 21 2022 stems from the fact that they couldn't complete the transactions in the previous financial year, which is going to end about uh, by March 21st, 2021. Uh, And therefore, concluding them in the next financial year looks more likely. And that is what makes the government's uh, disinvestment receipt budget uh, a realistic one. Uh, And as you all know, uh, the government has also been uh, progressively making the conditions attached to the sale of Air India more and more realistic. Uh, whether the debt burden or the employee uh, uh, numbers, or in all these aspects, the government is becoming flexible. Of course, we can all discuss and debate the speed with which certain things are happening, but uh, the financial year is yet to commons. and therefore, uh, my feeling is that the because of the uh, backlog of disinvestment uh, that have that has not happened, that actually paradoxically makes the realization of 21-22 target that much more attainable and realistic.
0: Also, challenges are expected along the way. I mean, it's it's quite natural, uh, but there has been some amount of political opposition voiced by Sonia Gandhi in her recently published piece. And then we've also seen some internal opposition from organizations like the Bharat mazdoor which is an affiliate of the RSS. Um, how do you think the government is going to overcome political as well as stakeholder dissent? Because there were concerns about loss of jobs as well. Jobs as well.
1: Well, that is correct. Um, I think the uh, the resistance to strategic sale uh, is to be expected. I mean, the, earlier this week, the uh, bank employees went on a couple of days of strike. Uh, uh, protesting against bank privatization. These fears are usually uh, legitimate from their point of view. Uh, And I think the government, I mean, the finance minister did uh, reassure that there will not be uh, uh, employee retrenchment as a result of privatization. It will happen uh, over a natural process of attrition as, as people superannuate. The other way to look at it is for the government to present evidence from the previous successful privatization, which happened almost uh, almost two decades ago, or rather between 2002 and 2004. If you look at uh, some five or six uh, full strategic sale where the ownership passed into private hands, rather than government reducing its stake and realizing some revenue, Uh, In all those cases, whether it is Modern Foods or Sterilite or I don't remember all the names or even BSNL, etc., the employees' strength had not only not gone down, but actually post-sale has increased as these businesses became more profitable and the businesses had uh, more capital to invest in expanding capacity and growing the business. So in a way, the removal of the shackles of government ownership and the decision making process that comes along with it, given once these two are removed, it is quite possible that the businesses actually expand, taking in more employees rather than letting go of the existing employees. And that is the record from the previous privatization history and I'm very glad to let you know that I think the Indian Express newspaper in those days documented the post-privatization path of these enterprises. And that's a very positive story to tell. And that is what uh, should be used as an important argument. The second argument I would make is that the last decade, uh, India saw uh, slightly declining growth rates in the economy from 2017 onwards because India was grappling with the non-performing assets in the banking system. Uh, and there was reluctance to borrow, reluctance to lend, etc. Now, in this decade, That is likely to reverse because we have put behind us the 10 years of credit problems in the banking sector. So as the economy itself expands, once again, more vigorously than in the last four years, that will automatically lead to growth of business and more hiring rather than shedding of workers. So I think these arguments need to be advanced uh, cogently, persuasively, and repeatedly rather in order to reassure the uh, the the workers that their uh, employment prospects are not in danger. Otherwise, some of the resistance noises uh, uh, are to be expected. And that is part of the democratic political process in the country. We shouldn't take it overly seriously.
0: You know, the candidates, if you look at the disinvestment candidates uh, that the government has put out, I mean, it is exiting from almost all sectors except for strategic ones. Uh, so on one hand, we have high performers like the Life Insurance Corporation. On the other hand, we have a company like Air India. What are your thoughts on the proposed candidates that the government has put forward? And what approach do you think the government will take to ensure that they all get buyers, sufficient buyers?
1: I mean, uh, uh, again, that's a very good question and it's difficult to give us sort of a general answer. But uh, in, the, in respect of Air India, I think the government has been slowly... Uh, diluting some conditions that are not finding favor with the potential buyers. And I think uh, uh, therefore the chances of it getting accepted by a prospective bidder given Air India's uh, landing rights and uh, and the overall caliber and the experience of the employees uh, uh, I think it's, it's it's because if you look at the previous uh, instances when the private sector was allowed into the public sector areas which is you know, general insurance life insurance, banking, telecommunications etc. In fact, the backbone of some of the new private entrants happened to be the public sector employees. So, it was the operating culture that had prevented some of them from giving off their best. And once there was private sector participation, the same employees brought their know-how, experience, and skills, and they were actually able to help the private businesses to grow. I expect a similar thing to happen. Uh, As far as LIC and Air India is concerned, I wouldn't consider them as part of this strategic um, uh, sale program that the government has unveiled, although Air India is indeed. In the case of LIC, it's only a small uh, sale, a small stake sale. Uh, it is more part of disinvestment than strategic sale, but Air India is indeed strategic sale. Uh, I think uh, we need to give the government a longer timeline to achieve the strategic sale because it is not something that is only meant for the financial year 21-22. It is a disinvestment receipt that is more relevant for 2122. 2022
0: what do you think? The markets have been pretty buoyant in the last uh, few months. Uh, there's been no relenting. Covid doesn't have, see, doesn't seem to have had any effect on them. So, do you think the stock markets and the mood there would ensure a better disinvestment proceed?
1: I, I think so. Although in the short run, one can always argue that the stock market has been uh, has run ahead of itself has run ahead of the economic recovery. And that is true, not just of India, but of many other countries, particularly even more so in the in the Western world, the United States, uh, uh, North America in general, or Europe, including the UK, et cetera, where the stock market has run way far ahead of the underlying economic recovery. So valuations are quite stretched. Uh, so to that extent, there is a short-term uh, risk of uh, market sentiment uh, being affected, If, especially if the uh, advanced country markets uh, decline or correct, but I don't see that as a long, long-term risk for India in particular. For the following reasons, one is that the developed country policymakers are likely to respond to such a stock market correction with more accommodative monetary policy and more provision of liquidity. Whether or not such accommodative monetary policy and more liquidity helps those markets such money will find its way into emerging economies like India with uh, a modicum of political stability and economic prospects. So that is why I, in fact, feel that the the glass is more than half full for India this coming decade. And therefore, I do feel that um, the the stock market will not be a barrier or an obstacle for the government to be able to uh, offload its stake in public sector enterprises.
0: When we are talking of strategic sale, we also are talking about large amounts of foreign direct investment. Mm -hmm. The government will be seeking to ensure that the divestment target is achieved. Um, The government is also promoting the concept of Atmanirbhar Bharat or self-reliant India. Mm -hmm. Do you see any dichotomy in these two? And if yes, how can they be reconciled?
1: No, I think there is no dichotomy in my view because Atmanirbhar Bharat is about producing in India for the world. So India does invite uh, foreign investors to come and uh, participate in the production-linked incentive schemes as part of Atmanirbhar. So it's about creating some manufacturing, global manufacturing champions in India. And that includes both Indian as well as foreign um, manufacturers locating their production facilities in India. And that is how they have responded, whether it is the mobile phone sector, or uh, in uh, more likely coming up in the renewable energy or pharmaceutical manufacturing etc these uh, this atmanirbhar uh, and the attack and the and its practical uh, uh, manifestation the production linked incentive scheme pli uh, both of them involve clearly foreign participation uh, so that is uh, given that therefore foreign direct investment is not uh, th- inconsistent uh, with this policy uh, framework policy framework, or the uh, uh, production link incentive scheme. In fact, I would point out to you that in the last six years, net foreign direct investment, i.e. Uh, money coming into India minus money going out of India by Indian investors overseas, if you take the net figure, that has been around 1.6 to 1.8% of GDP in the last six years in India. And it has never reached that number in the past, except for one year in 2010, 11, or 11, 12. I don't remember exactly when. So in fact, last six years, in spite of all the uncertainties, India's uh, slightly declining growth rates and credit problems in the banking sector, net FDI has been on the higher side. Now that India has put behind it, its banking sector problems, or more likely the uh, COVID-induced lockdowns, etc., despite the second wave risk, uh, I think the FDI flows into India will be even better than what we have seen in the previous six years. And uh, that is what numbers for the current financial year available up to the third quarter December, that is what they indicate. So I actually think that uh, attracting more FDI uh, will be part of the success of the Atmanirbhar Bharat program and the production linked incentive scheme. So they are completely consistent with one another.
0: And finally, um, I'd like to ask you, how this, how would the states respond to this disinvestment uh, program? Do you think they would be encouraged to also follow suit and uh, divest holdings in state public sector
1: units? I think so. And more specifically, in what I would say I hope so. Uh, uh, states have their own, um, I mean, in, in a democratic uh, framework that we have, uh, political compulsions will always be there and that will dictate the pace of uh, such reforms. And I was, but, but state governments also are currently stretched with respect to their fiscal resources. Uh, and I think therefore, uh, they will also be looking at asset monetization and the stake scale as one way of uh, augmenting uh, revenues to meet development expenditure purposes. Uh, and the government the union government also has introduced some incentive schemes for states to be able to avail of more centrally sponsored schemes funding or additional grant or loan facilities or, or a slightly higher deficit uh, target. All these things are possible if they pursue some of the reforms that the union government is pursuing. So I think all these factors together, compulsions as well as conviction, both of them will uh, come together to also propel the state governments to undertake similar reforms uh, in their jurisdictions.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Nageshwaran, for joining us today. Uh, It was wonderful having you at South Asia Chat.
1: You're welcome.
0: You were listening to South Asia Chat. To learn more about our work, visit us at isas.nus.edu.sg.